Good morning. My name is Nick. I'm the associate minister here at Knox. And you probably know this if you come once in a while or if this is your home church. Um, or maybe as you came in today, you were handed one of these. But every week, we produce both digitally and physically a bulletin. If you're online, it's always at knoxtoronto.org slash bulletin. And in this bulletin is just full of good information, much of which may go unread week to week. So if you call this church home, I'd really encourage you to read this uh, because it has lots of things that we don't say from the front because they're not things that everybody needs to know or newcomers need to know. So it's full of good information. And if you do read the bulletin, you may just quickly skim this other section that's in there called the order of worship, right? The order of worship. Um, And you might just quickly skim that part because you know, it doesn't really change much week to week. There's some minor variations, but it's largely the same. The songs we sing might change. The scripture reading is different. If I've been quick enough, there's a sermon title in there, but usually there's not, so that doesn't give you any hints. And we might celebrate a sacrament like we will today. And so we might need to move what we call the life of the community. You might know them as the announcements. We'll move that to fit the flow of worship better. But otherwise, this order of worship is the same week to week. If you have read the order of worship, you'll also probably notice that beside certain elements in that order, is a brief explanation of what it is or why it's there. And for many of us, that might be the only opportunity we've had to consider why it is that we do these things that we do, other than simply perhaps saying, well, it's tradition. Now, despite the age of our congregation or the architectural style of our building or the expectations that one might have about a church that calls itself Presbyterian or a minister who chooses to wear a collar, despite all of these things, we are not actually content with the suggestion that we do these things only because they're tradition, only because, well, that's the way things have always been done. If that were the only reason for why we worship how we do, then we should quickly start to consider entirely new forms and patterns of worship. Yet there is a flow to this order of service and many recurring elements in our worship service which even connect our two services, though their tone and their style might be very different from each other. We have a second service at 4.30 and it's a little bit more informal. But still, many of these elements, and certainly this pattern, is the same. Because there are much deeper reasons to continue in these ways than to simply say that it is tradition. We believe that our Sunday gathering for worship is intended to form us. It's a time of rehearsal, of practice, for the patterns of faith which ought to go with us through our week. It's kind of like learning multiplication tables in school or developing any new skill or playing a game. Repetition, it has been said, is the mother of learning. But just repeating things over and over again doesn't help us understand why. And without understanding why, we'll never really be able to apply what we've learned beyond just becoming very familiar with how things go on Sunday mornings. 
We need to know why we do these things at all if there's any chance for us to do them well and rightly for our good, for the good of the world, and to the glory of God in the whole rest of our lives because this time together is such a small part of it. So it's for those reasons that we need to understand our worship that for the next couple of months we'll be considering some key Christian practices of worship, things which we do every week, and we'll be exploring why these things are a part of our Sunday gathering. More than that, we'll be considering why they are things which we should value and prioritize in the rest of our lives as well. This week, we'll start at the beginning, right? A very good place to start. And at the beginning is our gathering. We are a people who gather. The first element of our worship service is a call to worship. It is God who calls us to worship, and it is God who speaks first as we gather. God is a God who speaks. It is God who calls us to worship. And in creation, God calls to the deep and there is light and there is goodness as a response. For humanity, God calls that we would know the way to go. God calls into the deep of our lives and the deep of our all too often despair. And God brings forth light. Through the prophets, we hear God's call and promise for justice. God's call and promise for peace. God's call and promise that God's people will be gathered from every people, nation, tribe, and tongue. God calls and all creation worships its creator. In today's scripture reading from Hebrews 10, the author to the Hebrews, who I will call the pastor, writes to this community, and the pastor uses this metaphor of the holy of holies. There was a place that was well known in the Jewish faith, which was the very presence of God. It was at the heart of the temple. It was the place where God's spirit dwelled, the place where heaven and earth came together. And it was so holy that no one could enter it. No one could be in God's presence. No one except for the high priest And even then, only once a year, on Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, which will soon be celebrated by our Jewish neighbors. There was a place that no one could enter, and it was the place where God dwelled. How hard a truth is that, that the place where God resides should be kept away from us. How deeply God's people must have longed to even be near to it. Yet here, the pastor says, we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. Imagine a place that was once forbidden to you. A place that you knew must be so good, but you could never be there. It's now open, and you have full permission to go. I wonder... Would you wait around? Would you linger? Or would you hurry for fear that there's been some mistake and somebody will soon figure it out? There's no mistake. This is pure good news. 
In Jesus Christ, we have been given permission to enter that most holy place. Permission to come near to God. And Jesus himself is the high priest who does not go in alone, but welcomes us to come after. Ushers us in as well. So the pastor urges us, let us draw near to God, they write. This, I think, is such an important aspect of why we gather. Because we can. We can. When for millennia, God's people could not with confidence enter into God's presence, where even great prophets saw their doom as they encountered God, where even the high priest was in peril of death when he entered that holy place of God's presence. Now, we can enter with confidence. We who are not great prophets of God, we who are not the high priests of a great world religion, we, you and I, ordinary people, can enter into God's presence with confidence. Now we stroll into the community of God's presence with our lives still a mess. You didn't spend all of yesterday preparing yourself to be good enough to show up here today. There was a time, even in the history of the church, where if we were having communion, you would have done that. But we have the privilege to enter with confidence because of Jesus' blood. You may have entered this place today, this community, with the weight of the world on your shoulders. And others of us may have entered casually without much thought to it at all. Some of us come with coffee in hand now, Many of us come jovially, chatting away. Some of us are distracted by the latest notification on our phone. In the very presence of God. In the very presence of God, we can be here. Whoever we are, however we've come, we can be in the very presence of God without fear because of what God in Christ has done for us. We can do this. We can be here. We can respond to God's call and gather in God's presence. So the letter to the Hebrews continues, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings. We should gather together expecting that we will encounter the living God, expecting that we will be gathering into the presence of the God in whom we live and move and have our being, the very God who promised that where two or three are gathered in his name, he will be there in the midst of them. Indeed, we should hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Yes, God is faithful in calling us. God is faithful in drawing us to God's self. And God is faithful in being present wherever God's people are. Being there when God's people seek him. So even as God is faithful, so we who are God's people are to be a faithful people. Faithful to the God who made us, certainly faithful to hear God's call, faithful to respond to it in prayer and worship, 
but faithful also to each other. The pastor in this text makes a maybe unexpected turn. Having whipped up such grand images of God's of God and God's presence, of the Holy of Holies and of Christ, our great high priest. The pastor writes, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not only let us consider the great mercy of God. We might expect that. That would be reasonable. Not only let us consider how amazing God's presence will be when we know it fully, but let us consider how we may spur each other on toward love and good deeds. How are these things connected? The pastor is quick to tell us because it's rooted in how we spur each other on. These things are connected because we come into God's presence when we meet together. The text says we should spur each other on not by not neglecting the assembly. This doesn't just mean don't stop meeting. It doesn't just mean that you have to come to church. This means don't neglect those who are together, the assembly. Right? There's like the verb of assembling, like don't stop assembling, and it could mean that. But more likely, he's saying don't neglect the assembly, the people who come together. If you're here in the sanctuary with us today, take a moment and look around at the people near you, the people who have gathered as the assembly in this place, the people who you offered Christ's peace to earlier today. And if you're joining us online, I'd like you, if you're able to, to type your name into the chat so other people can see the names of those who they worship with. Actually do. I haven't seen many of you look around. Turn around. Look at the people near you. Actually do type your names in the chat if you're joining us online. This is the assembly. This is the assembly that we are called not to neglect. Those are the reflection questions for later. We'll keep going. Don't neglect one another, the pastor is telling us. Remember, the pastor began this passage by addressing us as brothers and sisters, siblings. Don't neglect your family. Families take time for each other. They prioritize each other in their lives. Do not neglect the assembly. It is for the sake of those people who are with you now that you come to worship. And it is for your sake that we also gather. We are here for each other. That we might encounter God together. And on days when you find it difficult to discern how God is speaking in this service, that others' ears might help you to hear that voice. Or maybe on days when you hear God drawing you into worship so profoundly that you might be able to hold out faith for another who feels like they just dragged themselves to be at church today. And some who are watching online or listening later this week by podcast, they may not have been to church since the pandemic 
And there might be a weight of guilt that comes with that. And for those who are listening, I would say this. None of us were here for the better part of two years. There's no shame in your experience. You didn't neglect the assembly. And still others are shut in, whose health now prevents them from joining as they once did, or for whom the danger of meeting in large groups is greater than for those of us who've chosen to come here today. And they too are a part of our assembly. We who are here now should listen to the pastor's words not to neglect the assembly and consider how we may, in fact, may be neglecting those brothers and sisters who cannot worship with us, but whose hearts are joined with ours week by week. Are we neglecting them as part of the assembly? Then, of course, there are some who are in the habit of neglecting the assembly. And this isn't new since the pandemic. The pastor writing to the Hebrews recognized this pattern centuries ago. And before COVID-19, there were those who neglected the assembly. And now some may find it just a little bit easier to do so as well. But this is to their detriment and to the detriment of the whole body. Some believe they follow Jesus best when they follow on their own. But this was never the invitation of our Lord. Some have prioritized sports, grocery shopping, excessive work, or the comfort of their couch and the convenience of church on demand to the call of our God to gather and not to neglect the assembly. We are called to love and good works. And as the ancient Turkish theologian Theodoret writes, it is not separation, but assiduous effort at unity that is the work of love. It's only by striving to be together, even when it's hard, and sometimes it's hard, that we find the love of Christ for us and for the world. It is for love that we do not forsake the assembly. The psalmist even writes that he was glad when they said to him, let us go to the house of the Lord. There was joy in gathering in God's presence, and how much more joy should we have to respond to Jesus' invitation to come by him to the Holy of Holies, into the place of the Spirit, before the very throne of the Father. Yet like many other once privileged experiences, some of us may have lost that sense of joy and wonder at what has now become commonplace, perhaps what has even become a bit of a chore. The trick is, and there is a trick here, that the gathering of God's people, what we're doing here together, is but a foretaste of the world that is to come. When peoples will be gathered from north and south, east and west, and sit together at table with the Lord. This is the very hope that we cling to. This is the end of our faith And the pastor cautions those that are all too happy to neglect this assembly that we know still here today, that they may find that they are excluded from that heavenly assembly to which we will one day be called. We must not neglect the assembly 
because we need each other as encouragement in the lives of love and good works, which is our worship that God calls us to every day of the week and every moment of our lives. When six days a week we're exposed to the values and ways of our culture and of the world, we gather with other Christians intentionally as a little bit of a sanity check. We come together from places where not many see things how we see them. Not many have responded to God's call in the ways that we have chosen to. And we come together to confirm that we're actually doing this, right? That, you know, I'm not the only one who thinks these ways. I'm not the only one who's doing these things. In a world too often defined by indifference and hatred, we're still choosing love, right? In a world that's too often defined by people just doing what's right in their own eyes or in the eyes of the majority, that we're still following a God whose ways seem foolish but bring life to the world, right? This is the purpose of our gathering, that we might attune ourselves to those truths again and again, to hear them from the scripture, to see and to know how others are doing these things in their lives, and to help each other choose the way of Christ in us. Being present to each other, we may encourage each other in these ways, not only on Sunday, but whenever we meet whenever we come together, even as two or three, we may enter with confidence into God's presence, assured by our faith and encouraged by the others who we gather with that he who promised is faithful so we can live by his new and living way, the way of life and peace. When we gather on Sunday, we know it is God who gathers us. When we worship God, we know it is Christ who leads us into the Father's presence. When we see one another, we know we are assembled by the Spirit as brothers and sisters, here for one another and a witness to the world which is to come. This is why we gather, because we are a called people, and we have been given to one another as a new family that we might spur each other on toward love, and good works. So let us not neglect the assembly, but be an encouragement to each other. In the name of the God who gathers and calls this day and every day. Amen. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you that you are a God who calls, that you speak, and it is the right response of creation to listen and to worship. We thank you that once more today you have called us to be in your presence, that by Jesus' work we believe your spirit is here among us, that you have made us the assembly of your people. Help us to see that assembly when it is hard to see your presence. We thank you that you not only call us on Sunday, but you call us Monday through Saturday as well. 
Help us to hear that call and to continue to be gathered with your saints as a way of life, as a way of faithful service to you. And we know that you are calling to still many others who perhaps have not heard, who perhaps cannot imagine what it would be to respond to your call. Use us, we pray, to invite others to be part of this assembly, to be a part of the community of faith whereby we are encouraged to love and good deeds. Continue to gather us, we pray. Continue to form us. Continue to make us your holy people. We pray all these things in the name of our great high priest, even Jesus Christ. Amen. We want to leave a couple of minutes for you to listen to God's call a little bit more deeply. And so there are a couple of questions and an invitation, and linger on whichever one stands out to you. The first is, have you been tempted to neglect the assembly? And if you have, if that's something that resonates for you, pray that your love for God and God's household might cause you to desire to respond to God's call and gather with God's household regularly. And then secondly, maybe that's not really you. You can wonder, how can you better encourage love and good works in others while you're gathered on Sundays or at other times of the week? And then for all of us, because God calls us the whole week long, take special note of how God seems to be inviting you into God's presence every day. So that's a challenge to take with you through the week. And now we'll leave some time for prayer and reflection. Thank mm-hmm. you.